Welcome to Stream Screams and Memes. This is Drew. And Mesa. And we just got done watching Knock at the Cabin. Knock, knock. <laughs> Who's there? Who's there? <laughs> Drax and Ron Weasley. Drax and Ron Weasley uh, being directed by M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> which is a combination. Yeah. <laughs> it's a movie you never thought you'd see coming. But uh, it's it sure is here. Um, I don't know about you guys, but... I feel like the last couple uh, M. Night Shyamalan movies didn't really hit home. Nah. Um, you know, he's famous for the big twists and everything like that, so we were pretty excited, I'd say, for the most part, to uh, to see what this one was about and to see if um, maybe M. Night Shyamalan is no longer M. Night Shyamalan gone and he's back again. Do you like that one? <laughs> Just gone right and back off, again. Right off the cuff, baby. M. Night Shyamalan back again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so knock at the cabin. Just came out last Friday, as of today. So, February 3rd. Friday, February 3rd. Um, since then, it's only been out for a week. Yep. The budget for this movie was $20 million. It's not doing too hot. And it's only been out for a week again, but it has currently only made $38 million. It's almost double. So, double the budget. I yeah. It's not bad. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, yeah. I think, yeah, that's probably not great, especially for yeah. it being out for a week. I'm assuming they probably thought it was going to make more money than that. Yeah. Um, I'd probably attribute that to probably because M. Night Shyamalan hasn't really been able to deliver very well Absolutely. in the last couple movies. Um, I think the last one he came out with was, uh, like, the Glass or Split Unbreakable franchise. Old. Old was the last thing he did, I and totally it was not good. Movie. Yeah, I totally forgot that movie even came out. Yeah. Um, it was a cool concept. He tried, sort of. Yeah, I yeah, I remember that one now. Not great. Uh, I feel like that one underdelivered too. I feel like that one. Yeah, it no did. one really talked about that one. I don't think it did no. very well. I remember no. even seeing it, and I think HBO Max has the rights to it at the moment. And um, every time I see it, I'm just like, eh, I don't, I don't really care for it. So yeah, yeah, I watched it once. I don't particularly ever want to see it again. Yeah. Um, as we talked about before, uh, this movie stars uh, Dave Bautista as uh leonard mm -hmm. um it's got uh jonathan groff who's in mindhunter and then it's got rupert grint who was ron weasley in harry potter um and then uh if you haven't seen the trailers it's uh, essentially about a um a small family um composed of two dads and a adoptive daughter who are renting a cabin in the woods um minor spo spoiler territory maybe um and it's slowly revealed that Something needs to take place, and one of them needs to die in order to prevent the apocalypse. Yes. So, Dave Bautista and the other three of them show up to their yeah. cabin. They knock on the door, so knock we, at the cabin. To preface, just to back up, just so no one gets lost, it's Dave Bautista, uh, Rupert Grint, um, two actresses whose names I do not remember, uh, followed by Jonathan Groff from Mindhunter, um, his husband, who I cannot recall, plays him. Also unknown. Um... <laughs> So yeah, Dave Bautista, Rupert Grant, two ladies are the, um, we'll call them cultists for now. Um, okay. yeah. and then, uh, Jonathan Groff from Mindhunter, his husband, and then their adoptive daughter mm -hmm. as the young family. So, um, it is revealed that one of them needs to die in order to prevent the apocalypse. And we watch kind of all of that unfold and them learn this battle, if it's true or not. And then, um... Kind of deal with the repercussions of their actions or their inactions. Yeah. I think one of the most interesting choices of this movie is that the entire 
entirety of this movie takes place inside of this cabin. It's an Airbnb that the family rented for the weekend. So we we don't see anything that's happening outside other than Dave Batista keeps turning on the TV. He keeps trying to tell them like, look, you just did this. Now something is going to be happening outside. So we're going to turn on the TV and the news is going to pop up. And now all of a sudden, okay, there are tsunamis, like mm -hmm. three different tsunamis happening across the globe, basically. And we kind of, we see the family kind of struggle with, okay, but this isn't even live. This could be a recording. We have no idea if this is actually happening right now. And we as the viewers also kind of don't know if it's actually happening. I think it was interesting that the entire doomsday and apocalypse part of it was basically us watching a TV on the theater screen to get the, the entire apocalypse, which yeah. was interesting. Which um, kind of adds to, I would say, a certain element in the movie. The entire time you are kind of wondering if this is actually happening mm -hmm. or if it is. Um, they kind of throw out, you know, ideas that maybe that this is just a group of homophobes and they're do like specifically targeting this family because it's made up of two dads. Mm -hmm. um, it's revealed later... Spoilers, sorry. It's revealed later on in the movie that... Um, Rupert Grint's character had a run-in with one of the dads earlier in life and, you know, beat him up because he's gay and he thinks that maybe that this is just a giant elaborate scheme in order to get back at him again for throwing yeah. him in jail. Um, so the entire time you are kind of being pulled in either direction of this is really happening, this is the end of the world, or this is just a giant made-up thing. Yeah. Um, which I think the movie does pretty well on kind of, you know, performing a balancing act between the two until mm -hmm. the big reveal at the end. Um, overall, I think the performances were pretty solid. Uh, this is Dave Bautista's most notable speaking role, um, which yeah. was kind of a big thing. Um, obviously, if you've seen his work in the past, he doesn't have a lot of lines. Mm -hmm. He started in one of the James Bond films. I think he says like three words throughout the entire movie. Yeah. Um, in Drax, he's kind of just the... Or in Drax. In Guardians of the Galaxy, he's kind of just the comedic relief, so he doesn't really get any big you know, monologues or, you know, yeah. chunky lines or anything like that. So I forgot that he was in, until I was looking through all the stuff that he was in, um, Blade Runner. Oh, uh, yeah, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't... I feel like I don't even know the last time I saw that movie. I can't even remember what he does in that movie. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm not sure either. I don't probably really... not talking much. No. So, um, it was kind of nice to see him kind of flex his um his acting chops a little bit more in this yeah. i think he does have potential to be a really good yeah. actor he did he did great in this role absolutely well, I like, without a doubt absolutely i like what they did with his character because if you think of dave batista i mean you he's a big dude yeah, he's a, a big with legs. yeah muscular house with tattoos all over the place big scary guy big scary guy he's the first person that we really see in this movie yeah. walking up to this little six-year-old girl in the woods so you immediately have red flags yeah, alarms yeah. yeah going off in your head and he ends up he's a very kind person yeah, he's, he's a, a very... teacher he's a second grade teacher which yeah. is just kind of funny yeah. to think about he's just a gentle giant and yeah um, even even when like he was being very gentle and you know kind to this young girl, I thought it was kind of um kind of a ruse just to kind of confront yeah. her. But I mean, it, by the end of it, you know it's genuine, and mm -hmm. he really does you know empathize that this family has a hard choice that they're gonna have to make. Yeah, and um, you can tell that he's being genuine with mm -hmm. every kind of thing that he says and does. Not only does the family have a hard choice, we kind of learn that the four again cultists quote-unquote yeah. for the most part just a yeah 
Yeah, yeah, just a, a general title for them. They also kind of have this hard choice to make. We realize that they aren't necessarily like in charge of making this decision and doing all of this and keeping these people captive. They have all seen some kind of visions about the apocalypse and they feel that it's their job to stop it, basically. Yeah, almost like they're chosen to yeah. be the ones to have to bear this this burden of, of yeah. trying to prevent the apocalypse. So the entire time you see all four of them kind of struggling with it mentally and emotionally <laughs> as well. Um, they end up, more spoilers, if the family doesn't choose who is going to die, each of these four people, then one of them has to die. And they kind of each take turns, okay, you need to choose which one of mm -hmm. you is going to die. We're not making a choice, okay? Now one of the four captors have to die. So it's interesting to see their their mental struggle with it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, throughout the entire movie, like I said, um, you're torn between, you know, feeling for this family and then, you know feeling for the rest of humanity yeah. <laughs> at some point on yeah. um what they should decide to do next and yeah i think it i mean it added a lot of tension to the movie there were a lot of parts where i was like you know metaphorically on the edge of my seat wondering what what they were going to decide to do and what was going to happen next um i guess this was based off of a book mm -hmm. um i don't cabin at the end of the world cabin at the end of the world by paul tremblay by paul tremblay and mm -hmm. um from what I've heard, it's pretty faithful to the uh, to the story, minus um, a couple elements to it. Um, so if you've read the book, you're probably going to be kind of in the clear for this one. Um, and yeah, if you haven't seen it yet, um, I feel like it was a good watch. And I suggest you check it out. And yeah. Yeah, I would say that it's, you could probably wait for streaming. I definitely don't think seeing it in theaters added anything. There's mm -hmm. no big, I don't know, action scenes or anything that would be better in a theater. You could probably wait until it's coming on streaming. Um, would you say that this revived M. Night Shyamalan or no? I don't know about revived. Um, it definitely put him more in a positive light. I feel like the last couple movies I watched by him, I was not very impressed, especially with the giant... You know, the Shyama twist that's always in every freaking movie he makes. Um, you don't get a big twist in this one, which I thought was nice. It's pretty. It's a pretty straightforward story once you find out all the little twists and turns throughout it. Um, so I, I feel like it's made me at least a little bit more interested in what it, he's going to put out next versus, like, when Old came out, I was just kind of like, whatever. That's fair, yeah. I think he's so back and forth. While I was looking through all of the movies that he's directed... He kind of doesn't have any consistency. He has really good movies from 20 years ago mm -hmm. and then kind of back and forth until now. Um, I think we were talking about like the Unbreakable trilogy. Yeah. I really like Split as its own movie. I don't particularly like Unbreakable or Glass at all. Yeah, they shouldn't have tied that into that universe at all. No. I think Unbreakable is a good flick. I think that's a classic Shyamalan flick. Um, along with signs, but um, the fact that they you try to tie everything together, um, not too great. Which fun yeah. fact for you, actually, I don't know if you know this, Mesa. Um, oh. The reason why we get such a difference between Split and Glass is he actually wrote Split way back in the day. He wrote it as a movie, which was when he was in his prime Shyamalan days, and when he wrote Glass, he wrote that in his 
not prime Shyamalan days, which you can see it through the work. Yeah, yeah, that explains the huge difference because all of them have pretty decent actors. Though I love, I love James McAvoy. I think he's great in everything he's in. He's wonderful. He can do no wrong in my eyes. Absolutely. So uh, what would you rate Knock at the Cabin out of 10? I think I'd give it up. Mm, I'd give it a five point seven five. That's very specific. Yes, yes. I was gonna say six, but I, I don't know. I think the more I think about it, the less I like it. Five point seven five. I will give it a six point six six because it's the end of the world. And Ooh. if you want to get crazy with your score, I'm gonna get crazy with mine, Mesa. How do you <laughs> like that? How do you like them apples? Uh, so yeah, I, um, I kind of agree. Uh, probably wait till streaming. We watched yeah. it at 10 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Uh, matinee prices, baby, and it was worth it then, but I wouldn't go and, you know, rush into the theater or anything like that. No. But I would definitely check it out. Give it a once over. Give yeah. it a once through. Yeah. All yeah. right. Wait on it. See it. Let us know what you think. Let yeah. us know what your crazy score is. Yeah. Let us know down below if you're a fan of Shyamalan's work or if you think he should be Shyama gone. Shyama gone. Out of here. <laughs> This is Stream Screams Memes, this is Drew. And I'm Mesa. And we'll catch you next time, guys. Bye. Bye.